Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Okay, so as far as the speakers go, we're going to have moms and daughters come speak. Um, the order is going to be Ella Lauersdorf and Heidi, then Tara. So just kind of keep track of these if you didn't already know. Mona Carlson, Johanna, Carrie Hemingway, and then you're stuck with me again. So anyway, without further ado, we will have Ella come. Are you ready? Here you go. Okay, got this. Good job. Hi, my name is Ella Lowerster. I am going to tell you some things about moms. Some moms like coffee, some moms like tea, some moms like to decorate, some moms like to sign, some moms like to read, some moms like to watch TV, some moms like chocolate, some moms like fruit. Some moms like to shop and some moms like to thrift. Some moms like to color and some moms like to paint. All moms are great and children are thankful for all that they do. God loves moms. Happy Mother's Day, especially mine. Good morning. Uh, before I start to speak, I'd just like to take a moment to wish my mom a happy Mother's Day. She is um, one of my greatest supporters and very happy I'm up here facing a fear of speaking <laughs> and giving God glory. I'm here to give a testimony. Um, when I was 17 years old, I was diagnosed with an insulin resistance disease called polycystic ovarian syndrome. And as a result of this, I was also diagnosed with infertility. The solution, a list of different treatments, since there's no cure, lots of trial and error. It was a very heavy diagnosis to receive at such a young age. I always wanted to be a mom. When I was married, we ha- my doctor had a care plan that she thought was best for my situation. Unfortunately, it did not work as we had hoped, and she did not want to waste my time, with, so she referred me to a specialist, a fertility specialist. I knew that referral meant my diagnosis was serious. I never imagined having to seek help in this manner. This is not what I planned, nor what I asked for in my prayers. The first fertility consultation I disliked that day. The only thing I found comfort in was sitting in a room with women seeking help like me. Our consultation, my husband and I sat at a table with doctors discussing my personal history and my issues with my body. Being past a folder of my options, I felt pretty small and like a failure. I remember nodding and having conversation, but my mind was somewhere else. So I started this journey. My planner filled up with appointments. I had tests, labs, diagnostics, procedures, new meds, new regimen each day. The good news, my body was responding and the disease was being controlled. Time for a phase one of fertility trials in hopes I would become pregnant, which mean meds, labs, diagnostics, and shots. Five failed trials later, my doctor told me she didn't feel it was safe for me to continue these medications much longer. I was allowed one more trial, and then it's time to move to something different. The difference was more invasive and more intrusive. I was exhausted from all of this. Every time we went through these trials, I prayed so hard for success. And every time I saw those negatives, I grieved. I tried to be patient and just wait on God. I was becoming weak, and I'm an overthinker. Many times I would ask myself, did I do something wrong? Maybe I wasn't meant to be a mom. I decided to take a break from mental health, just get back to normal life. The Sunday after the decision, I went to church like normal, And worship started. I just worshiped God and praised God. And tears started to fall. I felt a hand on my back and someone was praying. She finished her prayer and gave me a hug. She said I was on her heart and she had a word from God that I would receive a miracle. This woman did not know my struggle. I felt so renewed and excited, although I did not know specifics I knew then and before God was always with me. 
I still had to face appointments. I finished that trial and just waited for results. It was my last trial because I was pregnant. But some of my blood work didn't come back great. So I started this hormone. Doctors said it was not a guarantee, but it could help. I had to push back that fear of losing the pregnancy and to keep my eyes on God. And our healthy daughter was born. <laughs> September 17, 2012. Oh, thank you, Jesus. When we wanted another child, we faced new challenges. My fertility doctor left the state of Wisconsin when Ella was three. And I had a doctor who worked with us for three years. And he let me know I no longer qualified for fertility help due to new regulations. I did not meet criteria. But God opened a door. In my search for a, new, uh, for a second opinion, I saw a familiar name. The doctor who left Wisconsin was back. I set up a consultation and she was helpful and hopeful. I worshipped before and after every appointment. Waymaker was on repeat. Uh, the same work had to be done. Trials too. Our insurance did not cover us anymore and our expenses were out of pocket. I let that bother me for about a month and I just stopped thinking about it and just put it in God's hands. And trial three was success and our son was born November 1st, 2019. I know reading this off, it may seem so simple, but it wasn't. From the diagnosis until Oliver was born, it has been 15 years. Dealing with disease, this disease and infertility was enough on my plate. I still had to function as normal as I could. God carried me. God gave me strength. God provided me with a loving church, a pastor, plenty of prayer warrior friends and family. My husband stood, strong man of God, stood solid. He was there to help pick up pieces. He told me it was hard for him to watch, but he felt that he never gave up hope. My daughter, a prayer warrior too, she prayed every night for a sibling. She had no idea what I was going through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How blessed that God surrounded me with his goodness. I did not know if today was appropriate day to share this testimony, but I think any day we give God glory is perfect. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So next is Tara. I don't know where she went. She is. Yay! I got the big Bible. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day to all women who play a motherly role in someone's life. So basically, happy day to all women. I have to be honest, when Pastor Cordell called and asked me if I would like to give a Mother's Day speech, my first thought was, oh, not really. But then I asked if I could type it up and read it from a sheet of paper, and he very kindly assured me I probably wouldn't be the only one to do this. So I stand here before you this morning ready to give my speech with paper in hand, and I'm glad to see I'm not the only one. <laughs> Now, I will tell you, when I hung up the phone with Pastor Cordell, I was almost 100% certain that my mom would be the main focus of my Mother's Day speech, who I unfortunately lost to breast cancer when I was 19 years old. She was one of the most sincere, honest, and kind-hearted human beings who had a deep love for her Lord and Savior, her family and friends, and just people in general. However, after praying one morning in church, in the gymnasium, where we were temporary for a few weeks or a month or whatever that was. Um, the Lord sent me down a different path. Funny how that happens. <laughs> God has laid it on my heart to give special recognition to certain mothers 
who so often don't get the recognition they deserve. Mothers who make one of the most heartbreaking yet loving and selfless decisions of their life. Mothers who are able to humbly admit that they are not able to provide or take care of their children or child in the way that they would like, or maybe making decisions preventing them from doing so. It could also be that they are currently living in an unhealthy environment or in a dangerous situation, unsafe for a child to be raised, or possibly some other unfortunate circumstance that has led them to make the decision to give another family the opportunity to raise their child in hopes that having a healthy, happy, loving, and fulfilling life. You may have guessed the type of mother I am referring to by now. For those of you who may not know, Sebastian, my son, was adopted when he was three and a half years old. Technically four, but we fostered him for eight months beforehand. Sebastian, can you stand up? Show everybody your sweet face. He gets it from me. First and foremost, I thank Jesus for this precious gift. But I will also forever be grateful to Crystal, Seb's birth mother, for choosing my husband and I to be the proud parents who have been given the opportunity to raise this handsome young man. I wouldn't trade Seb for anything, and I love him as though he were my own. He also has two other half-sisters, Sadie and Anna, who were adopted and who he thankfully gets to see often. His adoption story is pretty amazing if you'd like to hear about it another time, but today I primarily would like to focus on his birth mom and all birth mothers who have had the love and bravery to make such a difficult yet selfless decision and are oftentimes unfairly judged. With that being said, I would like to start off by reading to you this morning a passage from Exodus 2, verse 1 through 10. I believe it's a story most of us are familiar with, a story of adoption. Now a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman, who I believe her name was Jacobed, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months, but when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the river bank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her slave girl to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered, and the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. When reading this Bible passage, have any of you ever wondered what it was like for Moses' birth mother, Jacobed, to make this heart-wrenching but courageous decision? I mean, think about it. She hid him for three months, knowing it would or may only be a matter of time before the Egyptians found her son and threw him in the Nile River to die, which is what Pharaoh ordered to have done if a son was born into any Hebrew family. So to try and prevent this from happening, she puts her baby in a homemade, waterproof basket among the reeds by the Nile River, not knowing if her child would be found and not knowing what would happen if he were found, but ultimately left his fate in God's hands. I don't know about you, but I can't imagine all the emotions involved in making that decision. But what we do know is that she didn't give her son up because she didn't want him, She gave him up because she loved him and had faith that God would take care of him and keep him safe. Something she was not able to do. I view this kind of love as both selfless and sacrificial. She put her own child's interests ahead of her own. There was nothing selfish about that decision. Yet oftentimes, that is how a birth mother is sometimes viewed. We don't know if Jacobed was judged or ridiculed for making this decision, by others in her community, but it happens. 
I can recall sharing with friends and family about Sebastian's adoption story and how I often heard things like, geez, that is so sad that Crystal didn't want any of her children. Or she clearly didn't love her kids based on the choices she was making. But those comments couldn't be further from... Now you may say, but Tara, you don't know if she gave up her kids out of love or out of selfishness. Okay, but in her defense, I would say, but she did choose life for all three of her kids. She could have chosen differently and we wouldn't have a Seb or a Sadie or an Anna in this world. And in God's eyes, she made the one choice for all three kids that matters most. Life. That choice in itself is an act of love and respect for that life. An act of faith, no matter how you look at it. I will always defend Crystal and any mother who chooses adoption for their child, no matter what the circumstances were. For we are not to judge others. I'm not perfect. None of us are perfect. That is up to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In fact, we are called to defend, support, and love those who need a voice, according to Proverbs 31, verse 8 through 9. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Finally, to wrap things up, you have probably heard me use some of the same words more than once in this speech to describe the love a birth mother has when choosing to give up their child for adoption. Words such as selflessness, humility, sacrifice, courage. Remind you of anybody? Now, I know absolutely nothing can compare to the selfless, sacrificial love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But he does call us to love one another in the same way he loves us. In the way, much in the way that a birth mother, in her humility, can selflessly offer up her child or children for adoption. Love. Philippians 2, verse 1 through 5, spells it out pretty, pretty clearly. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. According to Paul, we see Jesus the most clearly when we understand the nature of his love towards us. Jesus is the perfect example of true humility and selfless love. The ability to love another more than we love ourselves has always been and will forever be the single most important character trait we can desire in our lives. It is the clearest and most compelling way that we show our love for God to be true. I'd like to end with a closing prayer for all birth mothers and fathers, birth parents. I sincerely did not mean to leave birth fathers out of this equation. I know that they also are part of this, but it being Mother's Day, I, I, I focused on the mom. Um, but please forgive me, I did not mean to offend anybody. But if we could just all um, lift our hands up in prayer, I'd like to say, say a little prayer. Dear Jesus, I ask you to bless all birth parents. Please give them the hope in a bright future and fill that future with abundant blessings. Please give them peace of mind and heart for that incredible sacrifice they made for their child or children. Please give them respect from others and for the decision they chose and comfort and grace for choosing life. I ask, Lord, that you bless all parents with a positive relationship with their child's adoptive families and to heal the families that have not had a positive relationship in the past and to move forward with forgiveness, mercy, and love. May you assure every birth parent that they are never alone, 
that you love them on a level so incredibly deep, no human heart could fully comprehend it. That there is always reason to hope and that God created them for a reason only they could fulfill. May all birth parents be blessed with endurance during difficult times, optimism for the road ahead, and confidence in divine love. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Mona is next. Oh, there you are, <laughs> hanging out in front. <laughs> Thank you. So when Pastor called my mom and asked if I could say a couple things, my immediate answer was no. <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> so I just have a few things. So I'm really scared, so if I mess up, don't hold it against me. I love my mom because she's loving. I think that just comes naturally with being a mom. And in a couple ways that she's loving is when we were little, when we would have nightmares. We would go into her room, wake her up, and she would pray for us, and then we'd sleep on their floor. Yeah. (laughs) But... And we did that every single time we had a nightmare. And mom never told us, leave me alone, I'm tired. I don't want to talk to you about your nightmares right now. Not once did she ever do that. She always did it with loving kindness. And yeah. And then another way I see my mom is loving is when we were little, like, you know, kids, they rollerblade, they run, they climb trees, they ride their bikes, and they fall. When we would fall and, like, skin our knee or something, we never had Band-Aids when we were little. They're like a sin or something. And so we, whenever we would have anything that required a Band-Aid, she would take cotton balls or Kleenex or toilet paper or something, wrap it up, and duct tape it. <laughs> and then another way I see my mom is loving is she's patient. My mom is very patient. And two ways I see that she's patient is schooling. We're homeschooled, as a lot of you know, and I don't know how she can school five kids, five different grades, four to 11, five different ages, 10 to 17, at one table. I don't know how she doesn't go crazy or something. And then another way I see my mom is patient is baking. We don't do a lot of baking, but I love baking, I'm terrible at it. And it's either I burn the cookies or something. And my mom, it takes a lot of patience when I bake. I don't know, but she, (laughs) she has a lot of patience for that. And another way I see she's patient was, again, when we were little, we, again, we didn't do a lot of baking. And during Christmas time was when we do all of our baking. And she would have us each pick out a Christmas cookie. And since, again, five kids, five different Christmas cookies, she never wanted us to do the same thing. And she would get all of those cookies baked, like a true batch of each kind, in a matter of a week. That's patient, if I don't know what it is. And then another way I love my mom is she's hilarious. She will just make the funniest faces when we're, like, down or something, and then we just start laughing. It is, I don't know how she does it. And then another way I see she's funny is her laugh. It is so funny. When she just starts laughing, we all just start laughing uncontrollably. And it is hilarious. It's always a good time with my mom. Another way she's, she's funny, this is all in, I love my mom. She's not funny, but you know. <laughs> is in the morning, she listened to her Andre Crouch station. I don't know what year it's from, but it's from a really long time ago. And every morning, almost every morning, I wake up, come down, she's doing dishes and rocking out with her Andre Crouch station. And it is so good to see my mom just rocking out in the kitchen and being herself every morning. Then another way I love my mom is she's godly. I have never met a more godly woman in all my life. 
Sorry. Um, one way she sees godly is my mom has a bad back. And even if it's really hurting her where she can hardly sit, she comes to church. She won't miss a church service for anything. And every morning, I see her reading her Bible. Every morning, I come down, and she's doing her Bible reading if she's not rocking out with her under couch station. Then I just have one verse for you this morning, Proverbs 31, 31. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Thank you. Johanna's next, so. Hello, everyone. Um, I may be the most nervous out of the whole group. <laughs> um, I've been going to this church now for about 17 years, and I'm pretty sure this is the first time I'm up here. <laughs> so. Yep, part of my testimony now. <laughs> um, so I'm taking the view of Mother's Day more so from a view of a state of being and um, just a trait. So uh, motherhood has been described as an act of infinite optimism, um, a vibrance, a soul guide, being the heart of the home, a cheerleader, energy, the life giver. Um, for me... Um, parenting was always something, or being a mother was something I always wanted to do. I'm from a family of five. My parents both were from big families, and um, I knew that it was always something that I wanted to be. So First Peter 4 and 8 says, Above all, maintain an intense love for each other, since love covers a multitude of sins. Um, if that isn't motherhood in a nutshell, motherhood is love that covers all. Um, personally, I was caught very off guard when we first started planning our family. Um, our first pregnancy um, was a miscarriage, and I was very unprepared for that. Um, I thought, you know, things would just flow naturally, and um, I was blessed to be a part of this family because out of nowhere, people started sharing their stories of miscarriage and their own heartache, um, and that was just amazing to me that, you know, mothers from all over could just come together and unite out of sorrow and out of loss. Another trait of motherhood. Um, our weaknesses become our strengths. Um, you know, accepting our individual shortcomings is also a part of motherhood. And realizing our limitations. Um, I come from a very big family, like I said. I've been blessed to have multiple generations that you know, have long life and that I could glean from. Um, you know, unwavering love, some no-nonsense, <laughs> um, smart, capable, and very maternal. I know not everyone is blessed with that. Um, and I take that as part of my testimony, too, that I've been surrounded by all of that. Um, I can still feel that first night taking Dominic home. We have four children. And... Um, that heaviness of this is now, you know, my life. My life is this child. Um, I never want to take that for granted. So um, our strength and our love is part of the mother's testimony too, that whatever situations come in our families, um, in our spiritual families, as well as our biological, that we come together to take care of those things the best that we can. Um, I am a nurse, and so I am also surrounded by mothers that give their all every day and then go home and do it all again. Um, you know, that role is not something I take lightly either, facing, you know, people at their most fragile states. 
um, that they're dealing with their own disasters and their own losses, their own things that they are having a hard time overcoming. Um, it just has furthered that motherhood role in my own life. So it's also said that a mother has to think twice, once for herself and once for her children, helping in a caring role, in a coping role, and just those immediate needs that children have every day. Philippians 1 and 6 says, Be confident in this very thing, that he that has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day that, of Jesus Christ. Um, mothers are great at seeing the future and seeing the potential in their children. So the dedication that mothers have, it's tw- more than 24-7. <laughs> you know, it's, it's in your dreams. It's, it's all-encompassing. Um, you know, nothing is singular anymore. Life is always looking at all of the things that are involved in it. It's not just about the individual. It's a constant juggling of priorities um, through the eyes of empathy. So um, that stamina is just astounding. There's no energy drink that compares to the energy of a mother. <laughs> so First uh, Timothy 1 and 5 says, I remember your genuine faith. Uh, Mothers carry that role of being mentors, being therapists, being trainers, you know, and what's awesome is that role also grows you, so part of being up here, (laughs) Um, you know, you get to grow with your children and you get to reach levels that you probably wouldn't reach unless you were a mother, Um, And what's also great is this is not just a biological thing. This is a spiritual thing. I have so many spiritual mothers throughout the years. I have been blessed to be um, raised in this uh, religion and um, have had so many mothers that even after, you know, the bell rang after school, they would still be praying for me. They would still be trying to encourage me in my daily walk. Um, Mothers are always present and available for those shifting stages of life. We use our own experiences, we guide our families, um, spiritual and physical, um, to be their optimal, to be their strongest. Um, If a mom could transfer her willpower, she would. (laughs) So, instilling that discipline of the fruits of the Spirit, a love for truth, and a mission for salvation are all things that mothers strive for every day. We are all working towards that discipleship. Um, It's also been said that men are what mothers make them. Mothers continue to give life by speaking truth, whether it is about the everyday things, you know, the reality of the situation, or the potential that their children have, they speak it into them. They renew life by overcoming the failures that face us and also with endless forgiveness. Life is also given by mothers by modeling an empowered existence by just showing the potential that we each have. Um, Everyday challenges are faced with optimism, and that is a mom gift. So mothers are always fighting for that wholeness of their children. Um, I didn't want to leave out what mothers face in this day and age. There are a lot more situations. Um, I know it's ever-changing. But uh, one in four parents are single parents. Um, One of my sisters is a part of that. And that role is, it just baffles me, the things that she overcomes on a daily basis just to do everyday things, you know, things that I probably take for granted that I just expect to be available to me that she has to compensate for. Another thing, two-thirds of mothers are working and most full-time that Constant guilt, I remember, Matt will attest to it, I'm always looking for balance, you know, the balance of life. Um, Thankfully, I've grown to know that this is just a state of being able to shift into roles. It's not really about balance. (laughs) Um, But just navigating that. Um, Technology, of course, that constant bombardment, that things are, you know, we have, I think, a daily discussion about how much screen time is happening and, you know, where that place is in our lives when it's a benefit versus not. Um, And the opportunity to do everything, everything under the sun. Parents deal with that. There are so much, thankfully, opportunities, but just navigating 
again, what is beneficial and what is going to sustain the family. Um, also, the inclusion or acceptive movements, where it's very difficult to have a standard nowadays that, you know, that's seen as a bad thing <laughs> that we have to navigate through. Um, and along the lines of that, just a fear of, you know, personally sharing that and feeling like in some way you're hurting someone else by having that standard. So, and of course this last year, um, all of the dynamics that we faced with the pandemic and um, just giving us kind of a chance to see what, what is most important to us and what we want to put our efforts towards um, is kind of how I saw last year. I know it was very different for everyone, um, but it really helped us um, personally in our family focus on what you know things we wanted to hold on to. Colossians 3 and 1 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing, one another in psalms and hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts. Mothers do this naturally, I feel. Whatever your talents and abilities are, you're constantly working in those little pearls of wisdom and working in that little bit of joy and working in that little bit of peace. It's just another thing that I've seen in church and my own family. Um, and lastly, I just wanted to give examples of the church as a mother. Um, you know, this love and fellowship that we share. Um, we're producing strength and identifying our places in this church body and in nurturing one another. Um, being a mother in church is simply giving priority to someone else's spiritual needs. Um, you know, shifting that me focus to the we focus. Um, having that passion to see all develop their spiritual gifts and meeting their potential. And seeing ourselves, of course, through the love of Jesus. Um, 1 Peter 5 and 3 says, Neither as being the Lord's over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. So I think brothers are really great at fighting battles, not only for their own family, but fighting battles for each other. It's kind of amazing, even today, bonding together over just being up here and sharing our stories. It's amazing how fast mothers come together. Um, mothering can look like different things. I just got a few examples. Um, Rahab was a protector. Tabitha was a philanthropist. Hannah was a prayer warrior. Deborah was a judge. Naomi was a mentor. Lydia was an entrepreneur. Miriam was a prophet. Phoebe was a servant leader. Priscilla was a missionary. Esther was an intercessor. Um, the daughter of Pharaoh, as was talked about, um, was an adoption or justice advocate. And Mary Magdalene was a preacher. Um, I just want to be very verbal with my thankfulness. I know there are so many people in this congregation that have spoke life into me and being a mother, I feel like that's kind of the main theme is life givers. Um, Acts 20 and 28 says, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which has, he hath purchased with his own blood. So God has given us each other and I know that we will continue to strengthen and walk this life together, um, uplifting each other. must be the old one because I got to put these on. <laughs> Thank you. Um, again, I want to say happy Mother's Day to all the moms and grandmas and even aunts that are here. Um, I would like to give a special happy Mother's Day to our pastor's wife, Sister Cordell. Thank you. Um, I would like to honor a couple of ladies who have had a big impact on my life. Um, the first one is my mom. I was asked the other day if 
she was a good mom? My answer was yes. She did the best she could with what she knew. I came across this quote that best describes my mom. Successful mothers are not the ones who have never struggled. They are the ones who never give up despite the struggles. You see, my mom had a hard childhood. My grandma was an alcoholic. My grandpa was verbally and sometimes physically abusive. While my mom was still young herself, she had to be a mom to her siblings, along with doing the cooking, cleaning, and laundry. She really had to grow up fast. She would tell me stories that if my grandpa's shirts didn't have enough starch in them, he would hit her with a hanger. She understood later in life that he was taking his frustrations of my grandmother's behavior out on her. Not to say that was okay, but it helped put some of the pieces together for his behavior. She eventually moved out at the age of 14 and moved in with my great-grandparents. Even though there was a little bit of communication barrier with them because my great-grandparents came from Poland and didn't speak much English, they, they were still able to, commu- to, to understand each other. My mom knew and felt what love was. My great-grandma would, play daily, would pray daily for my mom. My mom always said that she had a guardian angel with her because of my grandmother's prayers, and she would call her her Polish angel. <laughs> with all my mom's trials, it never crushed her spirit. My mom, I have to honestly say my mom and I have a wonderful relationship. She's my best friend. We share a lot of great memories together. I remember as a little girl on cleaning day, she would play her Elvis Presley records and dance as we cleaned. She would always say, might as well have fun while we have to do this. And I have to admit, I play my worship music when I clean and man, it'll give you energy. You can get things done a lot quicker. (laughs) We would have a blast in the kitchen, whether we were preparing for a family celebration or just cooking dinner. We were, we were always laughing. I still remember what she told me when I was about six or seven years old. She would say, always have on hand, always have coffee on hand. You never know who's going to come to visit. You see, kids, back then we didn't have no drive through Starbucks, no Dunkin' Donuts, and we survived. <laughs> I always thought this to be strange to have coffee on hand since my parents at that time never drank coffee. But sure enough, every week my great uncle Louis would stop by for some gas, as he called it, so she always had her coffee ready. Later in life, I realized she had the gift of hospitality. If you stopped over at her house, she made sure you didn't leave hungry, even if all she had was bread and bologna. She would make the best bologna sandwiches. Right, kids? (laughs) She said it was because she put all her love into it. My mom has always been there for me through good times and not such good times. And starting to become more forgetful, it is my time to take care of her. Deuteronomy 5.16 says, Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, that your days may be prolonged and that it may go well with you on the land which the Lord your God gives you. Even though my mom is not serving the Lord, that doesn't make me love her any less. It makes me love her even more. I will continue to pray that one day she'll come to God and give her life over to him. My mom might not have been there for me spiritually, but God has blessed me with so many loving Christian ladies in my life. One in particular is Sister Wendy Tan. Titus 2, 3 through 5 says, Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Wendy is an example of everything in that scripture. 
If I am struggling or need a word of encouragement, Wendy, you're always there for me. There was a time about a month ago I was going through some things and to make a long story short, I was in the grocery store trying to stay focused <laughs> and shopping and honestly, I was just whining to God. <laughs> and you know, who did God have, have me run into? It was Wendy. She knew something was wrong, so I shared my situation. And Wendy being Wendy gave me one of her big hugs and words of wisdom. I left the store with a completely different attitude. God, God is so good. Oh, he is so good. Not only is she the best example of a true worshiper, she is a mighty prayer warrior. And not to mention that she is obedient to God, God's word, and to his voice. I am forever grateful that God has put her in my life. I am blessed to have her as my spiritual mom. I love you. Angela Gerbing talked about having a spiritual mom in a 1010 service about a month or so ago, and I agree. Everyone should have a spiritual mom. If you don't have one, pray that God will bring that special person in your life. Because we all, like a lot of the ladies have mentioned, we all need each other. And God, as I was in this grocery store, he'll put that person in your path right when you need it at the right time. The last thing I, that God laid on my heart is I believe as moms and grandmas, one of the most important jobs is to pray God, God's word over our children and grandchildren. We are on the front lines when it comes to teaching and raising our kids up in the way they should go. As the scripture says in Proverbs 22.6, start children on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. The Bible is full of scriptures to pray for our kids and grandkids. Here are just a few that I turn to. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them. The Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Matthew 5.16, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And this is one of my favorites that I, I pray over my kids all the time. Romans 12.2, and do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. We know there is power in prayer. So no matter what season of life we are in with our children or grandchildren, we should continually be praying and covering them with God's word and with the blood of Jesus. I just want to say happy Mother's Day again, and may you be blessed today and every day. Thank you. Wow, those are really great. My nose stopped bleeding, so I think I'll be okay. The stress has pockets. Moms will appreciate that. I have Kleenex. I think I forgot to announce we do have a gift for moms or spiritual moms out in the hallway, so make sure you stop and get a gift before you go. I just have a couple of things to say quick, and then you know we'll dismiss you so you can spend time with families. Um, I always wanted to be a mom, despite all my careers in school. <laughs> the only job I... I ever really wanted was being a mom. And I can promise you, after two weeks ago, I'm done with school. Done. Anyway. <laughs> oh, it wasn't for thanks. I'm just tired of it. <laughs> so um, most of you know, or maybe don't, but I was Russ's first convert in 1988. And 1988 was that weird year when everyone thought the Lord was coming back. So I was a 16-year-old kid, and I was so afraid the Lord was going to come back before I got a chance to be a mom. Like, I prayed constantly for that. Um, so, obviously, God came through a bunch of times. <laughs> um, 
and not only a mom, but I wanted mostly boys. No offense, Maddie. I love my daughter. But uh, I'm the oldest of four girls, and uh, the girl drama I didn't want to deal with. <laughs> Maddie is not dramatic at all. Um, so thankfully, God answered those prayers, too. So I am so thankful every day for my family. Um, Russ and I, you know, we both came from broken homes. We had no idea how to not only raise kids, but raise godly kids. And we prayed a lot, and I made a lot of mistakes but I hope they know that I always love them. And by the grace of God, we have five kids that are hardworking. They love God. They're compassionate people. I I couldn't be prouder of how they turned out. And it was all by the grace of God, not me. Um, However, on days like today too, I don't know why, but every Mother's Day, I get sad for people that didn't get the chance to be a mom or, you know, had or hurting on days like today. I have friends that just never had kids, never got married, or couldn't have kids, lost their moms at a young age. Um, some have lost children, which is, I couldn't imagine how heartbreaking that could be. Um, but God knows. There's even scripture I found when I was just kind of digging around trying to figure out what to say. Um, Isaiah 49 and 15, and this is the ESV version, says... Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. So God knows. That was God talking there, which is comforting. Um, Recently, after uh, the Parkers came from Tupelo, and we sponsored this little kid, and I can't get him off my mind, and I pray for him all the time. So we have an eight-year-old boy at Tupelo that we sponsor. Of course, we kind of forgot we weren't paying and had to make up for it, but that's another story. Anyway, (laughs) I texted Angela Parker, and I'm like, uh. So we fixed that. Anyway, so just this past week, his second grade class was learning about writing thank you letters. And um, they put it on their Facebook page. You can go on the Tupelo page and see it. Um, So he, and they could write the thank you letter to whoever they wanted. And so he picked God, and he said, um, Dear God, you are so amazing. I really want to go to heaven because I want to walk on golden streets with you. Thank you for keeping me safe in the storms at at night. Last Sunday night, they were under a tornado warning, and tornadoes came, like, all around the neighborhood but didn't hit the mansion. So praise God. Um, You are so nice. You are the one one and only God. Love, Zayden. So he's eight and parentless and gets it, you know, that God loves us so much. So um, in closing, I told you I was going to be quick. It was the filler at the end. You can stand if you want. Um, Just know that even if you didn't have the best mom situation, Jesus loves you more than any mom ever could. Love him and he will bring you peace. If you see someone hurting like everyone talked about, reach out to them. I mean, you can be a mom to anyone, you know, I teach Sunday school because I like kids. So, and it's fun. Um, So yeah, you can just love and support anyone. And then if we could just pray and then the altar will be open. Jesus, we're so thankful today. Thankful for moms. Thank you for all the blessings you give us, Lord God. I pray that you um, continue to watch over us, guide us, bless the moms, bless people that want to be moms. Help us to just reach for you and know your love and peace and understanding. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.